0: Welcome to the 29th edition of Everything EOS. I'm Zach Gall, our in-house EOS connoisseur here at (laughs) ICO Alert, the trusted ICO discovery platform. Visit icoalert.com, the most complete calendar of all active and upcoming ICOs. And I'm here
1: today with the founder and CEO of block producer Cypherglass, Rob Finch. Thank you all so much for joining us for yet another episode of everything eos we sincerely appreciate all the feedback all the love all the comments that we get on youtube and soundcloud every time Um, so please keep leaving those it it lets us know you know that we're doing a good job that you like what you're doing so please remember to like comment or subscribe on youtube itunes soundcloud or wherever you may be listening
0: and as a reminder if uh, you're still listening on itunes or on google podcasts uh, we are doing video format on youtube just search for everything eos we should be some of the first results And as a reminder, if you enjoy the content, other people might enjoy it too, so please like, comment,
1: and subscribe. Smash that like button, smash it! it (laughs) Somebody uh, messaged me on Telegram and said they smashed it. So it's working. So (laughs) before we get started, I do need to mention that this podcast is not sponsored. Gall and I are just two excited members of the EOS community discussing our opinions about this open source software. Now please, throughout this podcast, do not take our opinions as legal, financial, tax, professional, or any other kind of advice. Like I said, we're just expressing our opinions, and as a matter of disclosure, we do both own EOS tokens. And on
0: today's podcast, we're going to be discussing the upcoming events surrounding the Global Hackathon next month in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Uh, some ongoing contests where you could win some extra EOS for yourself, uh, recent uh, CPU issues on the network, and an awesome new educational tool released by Block One this morning. Yeah. Thursday.
1: Let's get to yeah. it. All right, let's go. So hopping into it, we obviously have the uh, two big events coming up. We have the new EOS Hackathon happening in San Francisco on November 10th and 11th. But then there's something happen after it, uh, which is the Scaling Blockchain Conference on November 12th in San Francisco just, I think what is it, a mile away from the Hackathon? It's very close, yeah. yeah. So
0: last week, whenever we talked, we, we said that the venue wasn't announced yet for the Hackathon. Yeah. So because of doing this podcast, I actually got to break the news that the uh, the venue is selected because yep. we record this show on, on Thursdays. So I, I put together what we we're going to talk about, and one of the things was that there wasn't a venue yet. Yeah. So then I went to do a screen recording the next morning, and all and of boom. a sudden the venue is there. <laughs> so the venue has been selected uh, for the Hackathon. It's a place called The Village in San Francisco. It's 17,000 square feet, Whew. three floors, with a maximum capacity of 1,100 people.
1: Yeah, and if you guys noticed that the after the London hackathon, Block One tweeted out, hey, this is the biggest hackathon we've ever done. I think maybe the biggest hackathon in crypto at that point was a little less than 500 people. So 1,100 people puts us at two, almost two and a half times what happened in London. So we'll see if they fill it up. I have a feeling they will. Uh, it's gonna be an interesting time. Has
0: there been any news or anything about ticket sales? Because I, I, heard someone told me that the entrepreneur tickets were sold out, but that that wasn't true. I, so yeah, I talked I think to they, yesterday. I just bought more.
1: I think they were sold out temporarily, and then maybe after they secured this larger venue, okay. they decided to sell more. Um, As an exciting announcement though, if you're going to be at the San Francisco Hackathon and you're participating, I'm officially now one of the uh, EOS mentors who's going to be there mentoring you, answering your questions, giving you advice on your project. So if you're there, you're hacking away, feel free to find me. I'll have a white uh, t-shirt or hoodie that says EOS mentor on it. So I'm super, super excited about that. Huge shout out to the guys at SVK crypto. Shane was really able to hook that up and allow me to to become a mentor. So thank you guys uh, for making that possible.
0: So speaking of reminders, don't you have another reminder of one of your contests you have going on? Yes, so that Hallow
1: EOS contest (laughs) that we launched here on the podcast last week that challenged you to uh, submit your EOS themed pumpkin carving. uh, First place prize 200 EOS, second place prize 100 EOS, third place prize 50 EOS. We have our first few submissions that we'll put up on the screen here now. Um, Some really creative submissions, but of course now I think we have maybe two, maybe three total submissions. So all of those people right now are basically so, guaranteed to win. Yeah. So if you're out there, you're looking at a chance to win 200 EOS. It's a thousand plus dollars for first place. Get out there, buy yourself a $5 pumpkin and a knife and, and go to town, carve
0: something. Yeah, I I, I still have to do mine. Yeah. I, I'm not really trying to win the contest. I don't think it'd be fair to, to win, but uh, I do want to do a pumpkin. My plan, I, I showed you what I wanted to carve, yeah. but I, I was interested in, in the one that you had submitted uh yesterday, whenever that one where they kind of did an artistic take on it rather than carving holes into the pumpkin they kind of carved like divots i thought it was interesting it It was
1: they found a white pumpkin too which i had not seen so a little bit different maybe they're, they're switching it up but we'll see so far those people are in the first and second place spots obviously we need more people to to enter to to give them a challenge so your odds are good right now if you enter
0: so let's get back to uh, EOS technology stuff here. Yeah. The, the CPU issue, so what was what was going on? The whole network was all clogged up. It was really hard. Yeah. I,
1: I couldn't send a transaction. I have a decent amount of uh, yeah. EOS staked. So it was crazy. So due to popularity in some recent games on EOS, notably EOS Bet, BetDice, some other ones, um, there were a huge amount of transactions happening that used the CPU power on the EOS network. Now what was happening was after a certain period of time, after allowing you know, BetDice and other people who were playing the game to surge beyond their allocation of CPU and, and send you know, as many transactions as they needed, the network freaked out and went into congestion mode and said, wait mm. a minute, wait a minute, I'm giving these people too many transactions, oh, let me back it up, back it up. So then all of a sudden, no one, including BetDice for a while or any of the other dApps, could send any transactions because they were so far beyond the amount of CPU allocated to
0: them. Yeah, I saw um, in one of the Telegram channel, BetDice Bet News made a post and they said, as most of you guys are already aware, the network is experiencing unusually high activity. As a result, CPU availability is very low. And even with nearly 2 million EOS staked, yeah. we're having difficulty providing consistent service. We commend you for helping us push EOS to its absolute limits. And we hope this will exploit uh, the EOS network as a whole. Uh, so so that, that's crazy. Oh, because yeah. Uh, from from what I understood, was so BetDice, EOS Dice, they have millions of EOS staked. Yep. They ran out of computation. And users, it it's pretty typical for them to run out of computation because we don't know what they have staked, but that's where uh, great services like CPU Emergency right. come, come and they let you uh, kind of rent or lease out some extra CPU for 24 hours. Yeah. And even they were out of bandwidth. <laughs> yeah. They ran was panicking. out of EOS.
1: You, It was like to a crawl oh yeah so so what happened that it got fixed so quick so it got fixed in less than 24 hours and this just kind of shows the power of EOS governance so a bunch of other block producers around the world got together and started looking at you know hey what's what's going on here obviously at 20 30 transactions per second we're nowhere near the 4,000 that the EOS minute has done what's going on so as they started to diagnose the problem they realized there was a variable um, in the EOS contract code that essential or in the EOS network code rather that essentially put the network into this panic congestion mode after just, uh, I believe, 10% of the total CPU was used. So it was artificially limiting itself to one-tenth of the total CPU capacity for everybody and and sort of jolted the network. So what's happened was the block producers got together, they did a vote, 15 out of the top 21 voted to approve it, and now that number has increased from one-tenth to two-tenths. You would think this would just double everyone's cpu Mm -hmm. but it's actually increased everybody's cpu by about eight times eight hundred percent and this is just the first of ten um you know changes we can make to the eos code to make cpu more and more and more efficient and allow it to process more transactions so so who is the block
0: producer that kind of discovered the fix and put the proposal together so eos rio put the proposal out
1: um i do have to give a huge shout out to eos new york for going out there educating the community about this issue letting them know they solved it i retweeted a bunch of their tweets recently but um, EOS Rio was the one that put that proposal out there, and I think some others, I'm sure, were working behind the scenes with them um, to solve that issue. So huge shout out to those guys. They're doing their job for sure.
0: That's so, last So was that last week or the week before where uh, the unregistered accounts proposal got passed? That was another big issue.
1: Yeah, so that was the, the week before where Argentina EOS actually came out and saved almost 20,000 EOS accounts. Yeah. These were people that forgot to register before you know the mainnet went live mm-hmm. and thought they had lost their EOS, but we found a way to basically go in and or Argentina EOS found a way to go in Um, They
0: put a proposal out, and the block producer approved it. And now, and now, if you have
1: your Ethereum private key from that wallet that held your EOS tokens before the mainnet launch, you can basically prove ownership of it with that Ethereum private key, sending like a transaction exactly. And then you, boom, you get access to the EOS tokens on the mainnet. So, congrats to the twenty thousand people out there.
0: I just think it's so cool how uh, problems get solved so quickly. Oh yeah, because you you can imagine on like I guess Bitcoin did pretty good though with that bug fix about a month ago that could have wiped out the entire network. <laughs> could have allowed people to just make Bitcoin but, but I'm always impressed with how well uh, the block producers are on top of stuff. Oh, I'm yeah. even more impressed that it, it sounds like this is coming out of some of the standby block producers. Yeah. So they're adding incredible
1: value to the network and they're, oh, they're not even in the
0: top 21. Well, so. you know,
1: think about it. If you're outside the top 21, I think now you need 80 million votes just to hit that 21st space. So people below that are doing anything they can do, whether it's coming out with new tools for the community or helping fix issues like this. And I think it's great to see all the block producers working together, whether you're in the top 21 or not, they're coming together and, and, and then, finding solutions. I, I want to
0: give a shout out to Liquidios. So yeah. So, I was asking if this was the same problem. So on Aloha EOS, they have a CPU benchmarks tool. We've talked about it before, and it kind of shows you how all of the block producers are performing with their their CPU. Mm And There were a couple of nodes a, a couple of block producers who were, were kind of not performing up to par
1: So that was a different issue you want to explain that a little bit? Yeah So it was all related to CPU But essentially when you know the CPU congestion this artificial congestion issue started happening all of these people who are playing the game Started going out and saying wait a minute Let's go after the block producers who are you oh, know inefficient geez. on CPU right now when it was Liquidios, It was CoChain world who still hasn't fixed their problem um, and one other uh, I forget their name, but they actually ended up fixing their, their CPU issue. Um, but what happened was some of these people had not upgraded to Wabbit from Wasam, which is just a... Silly Wabbit. Silly Wabbit. <laughs> tricks are for kids. It's a little piece of the EOS code that basically processes CPU, it processes transactions, and it makes it two times more efficient.
0: So the reason I wanted to give a shout out to Liquid EOS was they actually took their node down temporarily yep. while they fixed the issue, which is basically giving up block producer rewards oh, yeah. for the betterment of the entire network yeah. because it was... in. Their goal was to speed it up by get taking themselves out of the mix, but I think you said that there was another block producer who didn't do that.
1: Yeah, so Cochain World did not do that. Um, there was another block producer that actually just fixed the issue online. But huge shout out, like he's saying to to Liquid EOS for forgoing those block rewards for pulling themselves out of the top twenty one to make mm-hmm. sure the network was faster while they got their stuff in order.
0: I don't think they're offline for long. I, no. I see they're back in the top twenty one now. So yeah. everything's good, but that's awesome. Yeah, when you uh,
1: unreg like that and you pull yourself out, you're basically just um, hiding yourself on the network. You still retain your votes and everything, so as soon as they switch back in, boom, the votes are there.
0: I think with all this talk about what these block priests are doing, especially the backup ones, I think we need to go into the same spiel we gave last week about participation and explaining how uh, the rewards are distributed to the non top 21 you want to kind of give that piece again
1: so many people come to me and they say hey I have five EOS hey I have ten EOS 50 EOS so I'm not voting my vote doesn't count and they think because there are people out there with a million EOS or two million EOS or however many EOS that's more than the ten EOS they hold they just assume their vote doesn't count but what so many people don't know is that the way block producers and in particular standby block producers are paid on the EOS network is based on the amount of votes they get so if you take your 10 votes and you give them to a standby block producer, that block producer is now going to make more money because Mm -hmm. of your votes. So you have a direct impact on the amount of money that block producers are making and thus the amount of money that they can reinvest back into the ecosystem that they can take to pay people to fix issues like this. So every vote really does count and I highly encourage you if you haven't voted yet, please get out there and vote for some block producers, especially ones that are maybe underdogs, maybe out of the top 21 right now. All right.
0: So some good news. Let's get into some bad news. I didn't have time to research this one as much, but you, you mentioned uh, yeah. the EOS farm issues. Yeah, I want to get into that because I'm not real familiar with
1: what happened. So as with any sort of craze, you're going to see all kinds of competitors and copycats pop up after, you know, EOS bet was successful. Then we had BetDice come out. Now that BetDice dice is kind of taking the lead. Uh, a new gambling platform popped up on EOS. Uh, I think yesterday. Uh, I, I found hours. out
0: about them because you know how you randomly get added to all these Telegram groups all the time? Yeah. I randomly got out of Dio's farm. <laughs> Along with like thousands of other people and everyone's like, what is this? How did I get in this group? And they probably just scraped the user list from some of the other EOS groups. Sure.
1: It popped up out of nowhere and was basically a way to, you know, very similar to BetDice. Hey, you can mine these tokens. Then the tokens pay you dividends of the total profit. It's a cool system when it actually works and it has been working well for BetDice. But on EOS farm, it turned out and this was all discovered within a 24 hour period of them going from zero to 2 million EOS in volume. Wow. They said that they were giving out tokens, but they weren't giving out tokens. Their contract oh did not distribute God. them. The token did not exist. It was only stored in their own central server. And on top of that, they published their house edge as 1.5%, but was actually closer to 3 or 5% when people did tests. So they were just stealing money from people betting and not even giving them tokens. So wow. it, w- it was really a crazy situation. Now the volume has plummeted. Um, you know, uh, My heart goes out to the people who did lose money on EOS farm. It only lasted about 24 hours, but... You know, you got to be careful when new games with new DApps pop up before you go Run. Send in a bunch of money. Maybe wait a little while and make sure it's legit. You know, as some of these other competitors have sort of proven themselves. Yeah,
0: I didn't know that there was an issue. I just know yesterday. I'm looking now. They're still number five though on uh, DApp radar.
1: Yeah, it's because the they're 24-hour. Um, volume and user statistics are rolling. So over the next now 10, 12 hours as this, this video goes out, they're going to be completely um, off this list. Yeah. I
0: mean, it's shown already negative 50% volume. So I'm
1: sure like you said,
0: over a couple more hours, but it
1: was crazy. They weren't even giving out real tokens, which I thought was, I was surprised it lasted for the 24 hours, as long as it did with their contract. You can very clearly see on the blockchain, not giving out any farm tokens, just saying that you kept playing. Wow. Yeah. They just kept playing, Oh man, that's wild.
0: So, now, let's get back to the good news. Uh, this morning, it's Thursday when we record this, uh, Block1 put out a tweet announcing yes. a new uh, development tool f- specifically geared toward towards game developers yeah. called Elemental Battles. And you actually already signed up this morning. I didn't have time. Yeah. T- tell me about your experience. And by the time this comes out, we'll probably have some cool video to show people, too. Yeah, so
1: it's pretty cool. It's basically a tutorial that takes you through creating um, a, a, a P2P, like a... A versus card game. So if you ever played Hearthstone, that that game, you know, you can download an app from Blizzard and you're sort of playing a card game against each other like you would with Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh or Magic the Gathering. Um, But they take you through what it takes and what commands you'll be, you know, using what code you'll be using in EOS to actually build a game like this on top of the EOSIO platform. So you can not only go through, I think, that eight to 10 step process of building the game yourself if you're, you know, a developer and Mm you can code, but you can also just play the game. Which I thought was pretty cool. cool. Yeah, So I went through, I made an account, I played the game for a little bit. Um, I was actually impressed for this being a demo with the uh, sort of professional quality of the graphics. Like it looks like they went out and commissioned somebody to make all these graphics and make the card designs and they're really taking it seriously. But I think the fact that Block 1 came out with a... A tutorial that's not only just a tutorial to your point about you know making a dApp, but mm-hmm. it's a tutorial about a game shows where their head is at, where things like Bet Dice, things like EOS Bet are getting so much traction on EOS that gaming may be the first killer app in general we, that runs we on We talked Eos. about that
0: last week. Yeah. We, you talk, told me about your experience with high, with high fidelity yeah. and how there's like. Like these, these are is, these second life type games. It is literally life yeah, for absolutely. some people. So you figure, how do you transmit value in a virtual world? Yep. And and have it verifiable. That, like, this is exactly what we've been talking about. What we want to happen in the real world. Absolutely. But it might happen in the virtual world first. <laughs>
1: That's so interesting.
0: Yeah. So the the one piece that stood out for me in the Medium blog article that uh, Block One put out is uh, quote: Since the release of EOS IO in June, Block One has turned its focus to driving mass adoption of blockchain technology having delivered for users in terms of transaction speeds transparency and ease of use we believe the platform is poised to scale blockchain to the next level a key pillar in that mission is to simplify the developer experience and create toolkits to make blockchain development more familiar to programmers from other disciplines yep we've talked about this so many times how to reach a mass adoption of just blockchain technology in general whether it's on eos or Ethereum or some other platform it, it ha- you, we have to expand our developers beyond just converting Ethereum developers into an ESI developer. We need to take like the university system and turn it in, ter- turn computer science students into blockchain developers right out of college. Absolutely. And that brings me to a very interesting, uh, point, uh, with what's going on in Blacksburg, Virginia at the block one office that yeah. Dan Larimer is the head of. So. Any, any developer, usually the first place to start is the developer portal, which yep. Block 1's been maintaining and updating throughout this entire process. That's at developers.eos.io. That's kind of where you'll get your introduction to building on EOS, in addition to the Elemental Battles game that was just released this morning. But I... I I don't think I'm alone here whenever I typically ask myself, what is block one doing right now? Because they're very quiet about things until they're ready to release. Dan drops his little tidbits in the Telegram channels we can only kind of guess what's going on. Mm -hmm. But I I think I sometimes will will just randomly uh, Google News search like block.one to see like if anything comes up that I haven't seen yet. Oh, nice. And last week I actually came across an article from the local newspaper in Blacksburg. Uh, It's Roanoke.com and they put an article about how Block One recently upgraded and their, their uh, working space in Blacksburg, Virginia. So they, they've always been located in uh, an office park called the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center, and that's in Blacksburg, Virginia. I guess they were in a, a small suite for the longest time since yeah. probably the beginning of Block One. Right. And recently, and they wouldn't publicly announce the address, so I couldn't like, get a satellite map of it or anything, <laughs> but That'd they, they moved into another building that they purchased. So they purchased this building, and it's 30,000 square feet of office space with the capacity for at least 200 employees. Wow. So this is this is happening right now in Blacksburg. From yeah. the article, it said that they haven't moved in yet. They haven't put signage up yet. And this article was from October fifth. Okay. But it, it's currently the the insides are being renovated, and That's this awesome. is where this is going to be Dan's headquarters. Essentially.
1: Yeah. I like how they have it set up. Where Dan, you know, he's he's in the U.S. He's in Blacksburg, Virginia. Brendan's over in Brandon, Hong yep. Kong, just heading up that team. It seems like they have a good dynamic going on, and uh, I I'm so curious to I would love to be a fly on the wall one day at Block One and just see you know what's happening.
0: Well, you. We kind of have a flyer. you have a fly. Uh, I don't know. No, I mean he's he's not. He can just say. Stay in touch so, with Leo? Leo Ribeiro
1: is a developer who works that I just with that followed site. him on Twitter today. Nice. <laughs> I he- saw. He's I the, got recommended to him. Really? Yeah. yeah. He's the creator of Monster EOS, which was the first DApp to ever launch on EOS. He helped us with a bunch of tools at Cypherglass, but since has moved on to a full time job at Block One. You know, I ask him, "Hey, how are things going?" He says, "Oh, it's great. I'm having a lot of fun." But he can't tell me anything beyond that. Obviously. Yeah, I'm
0: sure that's day one of working at Block One. Is oh, everything's yeah. top secret? It's all
1: secret, which is good. I mean, that's the way it should <laughs> but be. But that,
0: that's interesting. So I, I looked through his tweets, and he had a bunch of Monster EOS tweets. Yeah, so that makes sense now. And so then, they've
1: actually been Block One apparently has actually been helping him develop that further. So while he's working. Block 1, they're also helping him with his own project, which I think is awesome from a company wow. perspective. So they, they got a some game studio they got to partner with Monster EOS. Now they have 3D monsters and you can do battles. And the game's come a long way from where it was on, on launch. I was
0: just about to say something about that, because you were saying how you're impressed with Elemental Battles, yeah. all the graphics they're using, how they're, it looks like a professional gaming studio absolutely building it. And now you're telling me that the developer that used to work for Cypherglass and helped with Monster Eos, yeah. he's probably gonna continue with game work,
1: you think? Like, it seems like it, I mean, I know f- I know that he's he's sort of working on Monster Eos at the same time as part of his block one gig. Mm-hmm. Um, but he very well could be working on other games. I don't know. That that would make a lot of sense.
0: So, I don't think anyone really knows how many Block 1 employees they have in Blacksburg. I I remember a while ago, and this is a couple months ago, Dan said they have over 50 devs currently.
1: Yeah, and then recently, this was like the beginning of this month, and I don't know if this is true, it could just be hearsay in Telegram, said that they had 100 employees in Blacksburg and 100 in Hong Kong. So, basically, at any point in time, they had 100 people working since it's 12 and 12. So with the time difference.
0: We, we know that they're hiring devs, yeah. and I can verify because of the newspaper article that they just greatly enhanced their, their working space yeah. to, to facilitate these new employees. But other public information is the Block One Careers webpage. Yep, There are almost 30 positions available between the <laughs> Hong Kong office and the Virginia Tech office. That's and crazy. Most of them are what you would expect, like mm. blockchain engineers, front engineers, back-end engineers, all, all kinds of engineers. But the position that stood out to me the most is that Block One is looking to hire a director of education. Wow. And in the job description, I'll I'll just read it for the listeners, and if you're watching this on YouTube, you could read it on screen with me. It says, Block One aims to make Blacksburg the center of the universe for blockchain thought leadership, and we want you to help build a world-class blockchain curriculum at the university level as well as for our internal and on-site partner education programs. We seek a unique individual who's passionate about blockchain, can work with multiple university departments and also manage Block One's education program. We plan this to be a major impact position in our local region as well as the global blockchain community. Wow. That's cool. Their responsibilities. Manage university relationships with block one and the universities. Advise university leadership regarding blockchain curriculum across multiple schools. Build the internal programs. Define the curriculum. So basically, what does a blockchain curriculum look like at the university level? because I, I've sat in on classes at Carnegie Mellon University, which is a great computer science program, and their, their blockchain programs are coming along, and they're, they're, they're good compared to what else is out there. But whatever block one is cooking up here, I feel like it's gonna blow away anything we've ever seen before, because it's gonna provide a roadmap yeah. for universities to incorporate this new technology. And they, th- everyone knows that this is like what's next, mm-hmm. but how, how do we get from point A to point B? and I I think it starts with with developing the curriculum and bringing in a a very experienced individual to take on this director of education program.
1: It almost seems like, so as we know, you know, Dan is is an alumnus of uh, Virginia Virginia Tech. Tech. He came back, he did that, uh, they have a $3 million grant that goes out to Virginia Tech to help expand their blockchain curriculum. Yeah. So the more we learn, it almost seems like that's their case study. That That is what they're doing. To Virginia Tech, one of the the, the great sort of, you know STEM schools in the in the country. They go in, they build this blockchain curriculum course. Then they maybe hire some of the developers. That's then they exactly go to the you university.
0: just explained. Okay, so they, they in the job description, they want to make Blacksburg, Virginia, the center of the universe for blockchain thought leadership. That's so cool. So so think about what they're doing here. The very first blockchain curriculum that's going to be adopted is clearly going to be Virginia Tech. Yeah, because it's the local university. It's where Dan's an alumni from, and six months ago he gave a great. Uh, seminar for Virginia Tech students in the community. Yeah, So they're going to have this curriculum and it sounds like they're also going to build like an in-house educational program that'll probably be open to people like almost like blockchain tourists come to Blacksburg yeah. and well I could imagine also them
1: coming out with some kind of online course where mm-hmm. similar to this game that they sort of demo today imagine a much more in-depth course that teaches you how to build on EOS whether you code in C++ or you're just doing stuff in WebAssembly or using JavaScript and want to use EOS JS whatever you're building on they can show you how to do that in a blockchain setting and build blockchain applications
0: so block one is expanding their developer resources their employees in blacksburg virginia yeah they're they're searching globally for this talent but how nice would it be in a couple of years when all of the talent's coming right out of blacksburg if you want to be a leader in the next generation of the internet the next technological revolution you go to virginia tech university yeah (laughs) you take the blockchain curriculum which i would assume would be ready in a couple years tops probably I'd say two years would probably be a good estimate. Maybe next year. I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, I don't know how but long. But you it go takes there, the and year. then you basically have job opportunities right there in Blacksburg. Yep. For all of the technology on top of the computer science that you just learned at the school.
1: Yeah. I gotta, I gotta talk to my dad about this. My dad also went to Virginia Tech for an architectural degree, but I want to see, I know he gets alumni emails and stuff like that. I wonder if they've been sending him any info about this. I gotta check that out.
0: I don't know, but like there's other positions they're hiring for, like this is all to build up the education piece of this puzzle because to reach mass adoption, we need a mass network of developers able to build on this because the only way that, a blockchain platform will be successful is to get that network effect where everyone wants to build on it. So not only does block one and the community need to keep building out the EOSIO platform, but eventually there needs to be businesses migrating their their business logic onto the blockchain. Yeah. And where are they going to hire these developers well, from? Well,
1: the problem is right now even with the the amount of people trying to build on a blockchain in general or a blockchain like EOS, there still aren't enough developers today. So mm-hmm. even today when the market is so tiny relative to what it could be in the future, there aren't enough developers. Mm-hmm. So imagine to your point, all of a sudden you start getting, you know, major Fortune 500 companies building on this and different local local businesses, medium businesses, talent. international businesses, they're going to the people to hire and what better way than to sort of make their own class and distribute that to virginia tech and then maybe several hundred other colleges
0: and on on top of the curriculum at the university like, like we, we just saw with the uh, uh elementals game that just came out so yeah. that's, that's for like online learning the the block one esio developer portal was constantly being updated and yep. as far as other jobs outside of the director of education that stood out to me was they're hiring for developer relations advocates in both hong kong and virginia uh, developer relations support agents, hmm. developer portal con- contributors, and then a very interesting one that, yeah. that stood out to me was block producer. And this is unrelated to education, so let's get out of education. This one's just a really interesting position I came across. Yeah. Block producer relations account manager. Wow. An okay. official position at block one. What? You you said whenever I brought yeah, this up to you, you said something about Brendan's tweet recently. It you makes a lot of sense. That?
1: So at the beginning of the the ICO, when you know Block One is raising this four billion dollar amount, and you know everything was happening you know you could talk with block one if you were a potential block producer and say hey you know what are the minimum requirements to run this open source software can you sort of give us some guidance on what's happening there and they would do that totally fine but there was this firewall otherwise in between where you know they weren't really allowed to talk to you and you're not allowed to talk to them for legal reasons but now that the community has launched our own chain the eos mainnet you know without the help of block one it's sort of independent from them as it should be it now seems like that, that tide is kind of shifting. And mm-hmm. I saw a tweet recently from Brendan Bloomer that said, hey, if you're an EOS block producer, let the community know by replying to this tweet why they should vote for you. So, of course, every you know, responded, said, hey, you should vote for us because we support transparency, block producer independence. We've funded things like ledger support and have other cool stuff coming. He liked the tweet. He liked mm-hmm. a bunch of other block producer tweets, but it seems they really are gearing up to finally vote for block producers. You know, we're seeing the amount of stake tokens on the network going to about 55%. With Rex as a proposal, uh, you know, potentially being released soon, we could see that number of voters go from 20% up to mm-hmm. maybe that 55% staked when people can actually earn money from voting for block producers. So at that point, they'll be in a position to be a minority token holder, actually go out and cast their vote. And what better way to sort of determine which block producers to vote for than, you know, tweeting out and asking the community, seeing which tweet gets the most likes and retweets and love, but also having a block producer relations account manager that can kind of interface with all the different block producers, see what yeah. they're up to, if they need help. And I'm pretty excited Especially about
0: this. with It seems like they've changed the narrative to thousands of side chains. And yeah sister chains, whatever you want to call them. Absolutely. So there's going to be so many different EOSIO chains that, like from a regulatory standpoint, how how could any government say like, okay, this is your chain. They didn't launch it and there's thousands just like it.
1: Yeah, you can imagine that the the EOS mainnet sort of becomes this central hub of all of these different chains. And then you have thousands of individual chains. Maybe one is to run a a decentralized exchange. Maybe another is to run another big app that needs the throughput. Maybe another one is a KYC chain for financial applications like Warbly. And these are all connected back to the EOS mainnet. And from a user's perspective, it feels like you're using one giant chain, but it allows you to do so much and have different constitutions on different side chains and really experiment with different governance models amongst the chains in the ecosystem.
0: I left this out. Out of the notes did, did you see the Dan tweet about the the wallet how it will allow transfers between all yes yeah. chains I gotta I gotta count
1: all chains it's it's really hard it to pull the be. graphic
0: up I don't have it in front of me right now and yeah
1: I think it's so important because if you create a sidechain system where we do have a thousand different EOS sidechains all linked together the only way that's ever going to be successful and ever going to work is is if from a user's perspective you can seamlessly move between them without even really knowing you're moving between them mm-hmm. so i can use a dap on this chain and i can use an exchange on this chain and i can store my tokens on the main eos chain but from my perspective i'm just using one big chain and I don't, I don't have to you know migrate my tokens from one side chain to the other it just sort of happens for me so i think something like that through their wallet and then other wallets in the future like scatter which has multi-chain support already that is really crucial to this thing ever. Being successful and ever being possible to hit the mainstream
0: so with like thousands of chains like the main net is the only one I know of that block one's gonna have that 10% stake of I right. think Talos completely they uh, cut them, cut them out. out and then Warbly's what was that? Sorry, that was uh, my mic. Wor- how's Warbleed doing? They, they air, they're they
1: airdropping, but is it uh, based on how many tokens people hold? Yeah, it's a one-to-one to um, EOS participants. However, I don't think... So they came out, we we said initially when we were talking about Warbleed... It's always, that, co- yeah, it's always confusing how they handle Block1's tokens and yeah. then exchange tokens. So I don't think Block1 gets tokens. Um, all the exchanges, I do believe, get tokens. It's one-to-one. But you can only claim all of your tokens if you go through a KYC process. I think you can claim like two thirds of them without KYC. That's what I saw too. But then if you want that last third, if you're like, oh, I gotta get these, you have to go through KYC within a year. Otherwise, I think you lose those tokens.
0: Which I have no problem with.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I think they're giving giving people enough time. I, I don't have a problem with Warbly, and I honestly think It will be beneficial to the EOS ecosystem in the long run. We as Cypherglass are just not going out and producing for Warbly because one of our core tenants is decentralization. Mm -hmm. And Warbly is, by design and by intent, incredibly centralized with their own appointed block producers. They're not voted in. So it it would be... Hypocritical, I think, for Cipherglass to produce for warbly when we're so big on decentralization. Fair enough.
0: I, I think the more uh, information they've been putting out, though, the better and more appealing it seems to me. I, I, I liked it from the get-go. From from I think the first time I heard of them was EOS New York put out a tweet yeah. that they're going to produce for them. But the the more and more I see, the the better it, it looks, especially as a fiat on-ramp. Absolutely. Because if you could have a frictionless fiat on-ramp, even if you need KYC. From, from there, those tokens could be swapped with mainnet tokens, sidechain tokens, any, any tokens if, if they could all interface with that block one wallet Absolutely. and go chain to chain. That's basically an on-ramp to the mainnet via sidechain Warbly.
1: Then that's why sidechains are so important. And it's why it's so important that these chains that are launching with the intention of being sidechains or sister chains, as some people are calling them, it's important that Warbly actually follows through and links with the mainnet. I think it will not only help them, but help the EOS ecosystem in the long run to then really be that fiat on-ramp. And we may even see networks that are currently forks like Telos, become sidechains in the future where you know if you want your own governance system that that complies with telos's rules you can sort of go live on their sidechain if you want and only come visit the main net occasionally <laughs> so it, it'll be really cool to see some of these projects come back and, and end up linking together that were previously going to be forks So
0: you mentioned you wanted to talk about Peter Thiel a little bit.
1: Yeah. Let's first introduce
0: everyone to who he is and how he got affiliated with Block One. So So go back a few months.
1: Peter Thiel, T H I E L, is uh, sort of a renowned venture capitalist investor in the tech world. He's you know most famous I think for founding PayPal alongside Elon Musk and the rest of the quote unquote PayPal Mafia. He went out, they sold PayPal for you know several billion dollars. He then took that money, invested in a company called Palantir, which is this crazy data science company. that now has these huge multi-billion-dollar government contracts with the U.S. government to, you know, track down terrorists, prevent money laundering, stuff like that. Um, but most recently, you know, he was the first investor in Facebook, made several more billion dollars doing that with his uh, initial investment. Billions and billions. Yeah, and, but over the last couple of years, has has come out and sort of shown and and sort of committed to the fact that he is a libertarian you know as in terms of his political beliefs and because of that he thinks bitcoin as an example is very undervalued so i've been over the last week or so doing a ton more research on his beliefs about bitcoin and crypto and there's a surprising amount of info out there where he's already clearly in Bitcoin. He's already mm-hmm. saying, you know, most of these other tokens other than Bitcoin are, you know, going to be worthless. However, with a few exceptions, you know, he says mm-hmm. in these interviews. But there was a really interesting interview I found. The well, first you got about you, you forgot one big thing. Yeah.
0: He led the investment round a few oh, months ago. Oh, that's right. So Come in on, addition that's a to investing huge piece. in yeah,
1: investing in <laughs> Facebook and PayPal and all these things. He now is the uh, most recent investor in Block One. So Block One, the strate- company- He
0: led a strategic investment round yeah. for an undisclosed amount.
1: Yeah, who knows how much money, but really it's not about the money since they have $4 billion. Mm-hmm. It's more about getting Peter Thiel in there who's gone through so many challenges, particularly a mass adoption challenge that they had with Which PayPal. Get into. Of, yeah. You know, how do we get people to use this, this digital money for the first time when they really don't have any incentive to do so. How do you make that incentive? How do you make it accessible? And they've solved a lot of these problems, so.
0: Why don't, why don't I, you just introduced it. Let's let's yeah. just roll the clip.
1: Yeah, let's roll the clip.
2: Where did the idea of PayPal first come from? Well, you know, it's, it's when, when you start one of these companies, uh, it's it's typically not the case that you get the whole idea fully formed, you know, instantaneously. We, we certainly, uh, there was this incredible internet boom going on in Silicon Valley in the late '90s. It felt that there was sort of this open frontier, open gold rush. One of the natural things to look at was, you know, was finance. I, I was sort of very interested in the cryptocurrency. Could there be new forms of money? There's always something, you know, super uh, uh, mysterious, powerful, important about money, and was, was was there a way that this this was going to change? So we had, I think, we had this general idea to do something with security, with money, with payments uh, from very early on uh, of the founding of the company. And then you iterate a lot on how to how to get the idea out. And the, the critical question for any consumer internet product is always not what the idea is, but how do you get it out? How do you get the distribution out? And we spent, there've been a lot of payments companies, internet payments companies, that, have, that already started and failed by 1998. You know, there, there, there's sort of um, a variety of these different ones that try to create these comprehensive currency schemes, um, and they would work if everybody used them, but you could never get even the first person to start. so (laughs) The the, the challenge was how to make it viral. How do you get something to work where it's good for the first person, for the 10th person, for the 100th person, and once you have millions of people, you have a network, you have network effects, and that was sort of the chicken and egg problem. Yeah, so how did you guys overcome that hurdle? Well, we eventually stumbled on this idea of uh, linking money with email because there were already 300 million people in 99 that had email accounts, and, uh, and so if you could send money um, to an email address, you know, I'd, uh, I'd send it to your email, and then you'd get an email saying you've received cash, and then you'd obviously cl- click on the links and do the work necessary to get the money out. And yeah. so um, and so you didn't need both counterparts to a transaction to be part of the PayPal network. Only the sender could be part of it, and then the recipient um, the recipient would sign up as they took the money out.
0: So that, that was interesting how he, he kind of had this problem where you have the chicken and the egg problem to, to reach mass adoption. So what, what else does he talk about in this video? And, and how, how does the book tie in? Yeah,
1: so it's the first eight to 10 minutes of the video where he talks about, you know, at PayPal, their goal was, their, their ultimate sort of all-encompassing goal was to create a, quote, digital currency to replace the US dollar. That sound, was their goal sounds
0: sound similar to what every well, bitcoin especially but absolutely all
1: crypto is trying to do so that was really one of their goals there was to to create this you know payment network that you know of course was not peer-to-peer but maybe eventually would be um but especially reading peter thiel's recent book zero to one you can see me holding up here i highly recommend this because throughout the entire book his philosophy on why he invests in certain companies and and you know, taking something from zero to one, meaning making an entirely new category where blockchain is perfectly suited for that and sort of suited to, to create this new um, version of the internet, so to speak. He talks about how they did it with PayPal, what he looks for to invest in other companies. And it really makes sense after reading this book and now seeing interviews like this, why Peter Thiel made that investment in block one, because he sees them as creating this entirely new category as being the winner in this blockchain space. And I think it's pretty interesting if you have, you know, I think it took me, I don't know, two and a half, three hours to read this. It's, it's not a very long book. Go out, get zero to one on Amazon. You can get it on a Kindle on your phone. I highly recommend it. It's a, it's a, a really great read. So
0: I, I played that first clip on purpose because I wanted to follow it up with a clip. This is probably the fourth or fifth time I've played this on yeah. the show. But, but another clip about, how, so the first clip was about how Peter Thiel approached reaching that mass network adoption to yep. get PayPal used by the masses. Now, I'm going to play a clip by Dan Larimer from his uh, seminar at Virginia Tech six months ago about his idea of how EOS is going to reach mass network adoption.
1: What do you see as the, um, how do we get to mass adoption? What are the obstacles? (laughs) Well, you have to create a system that's so viral in its own right that people will adopt it without, uh, without being forced to adopt it. You create a new system and you move to
2: the new system. So you create a social media platform that everyone wants to be a part of and it can govern itself so
1: well that uh, people want to use the social media governance for more things and it just creeps into use naturally versus saying, hey, let's tear down the old and replace it with the new. You, you have to organically create something that can live within the current environment and make the older uh, techniques uh, redundant and eventually unnecessary. So I think looking at both of these, you can see, you know, we we have a challenge in the blockchain space and with EOS in particular is how do you get people to use it? You know, we have this technology. It's clearly superior to other technologies like centralized databases and even some other cryptocurrencies. Mm -hmm. And that's all well and fine. But how do you get people to actually use it? And with that Peter Thiel Mm -hmm. clip about him talking about, you know, linking money to email and sort of because at that
0: time. You couldn't, there was not a, even a lot of e-commerce stores that accepted money. Like oh, yeah. You'd have to, if you wanted to do a peer-to-peer, because eBay, I believe, was one of the first sites to to use PayPal as a tra- yeah. transaction. Well, trans- that's, trans- that's trans- how they got so
1: much traction was that he talks about that a lot in this book is, you know, eBay, you were mailing a check to somebody that's, across the yeah, country, waiting five to seven days for it to clear. But with PayPal, all of a sudden, they sort of infiltrated Inst- the space and you could send it instantly.
0: And they, they ran into a lot of regulation issues. And he said that the reason that they were able to get past them was because he said it, it wouldn't have been possible three years later because yeah. of September 11th, yeah. which I thought was interesting. But he basically... Uh, let, let me just play uh, another clip of what uh, he, he said about how they beat regulation.
1: Day. yeah. Was uh, there any bizarre pushback from banks or any anyone that was doing well, financial transactions traditionally? There were, you know, there, traditionally? It,
0: there were cer- certainly like...
2: More than more than our share of challenges, you had a you had an enormous problem of fraud, where people just uh, figured out ways to hack the system and steal money. Mm-hmm. And then um, and you can't simply get rid of fraud because you can always get rid of fraud if you make it cumbersome. But if it's easy, then it's also easy to defraud. And so sure. the challenge was how do you get it to be easy to use but hard to defraud? And that took you know, took some time. There um, certainly uh, banks didn't like it. There were, you know there were all the, the incumbent players that that didn't like something new. And then of course, it was sort of in this, um, in this uh, strange regulatory zone where uh, you know, it was a new form of payments, a new form of moving money. And, uh, and you know, I, the, the way I often thought of it at the time was that we were in a race between technology and politics. And you know, the politicians didn't like us, but if we got the system, the PayPal network to be big enough it would sort of overwhelm the regulators and they'd have to accept it as a, as a fait accompli.
1: So the libertarian part of you must have loved that concept. You like know, you were actually doing something that libertarians are supposed sure. was, to do. You know, there was a so it, it
0: you could see the similarities here oh, yeah, with regulation and technology outpacing the, the regulators because the world... Regulators in in particular, they need educated on this yeah. because they don't understand it. Everyone's afraid of what they don't understand.
1: Oh, absolutely. And to his point, PayPal at that time was a totally new way to transmit, to store, to receive any kind of money. And now we're seeing the same thing with crypto. You know, you can send not just money, but all types of value. I could send a, a token that's the deed to my house, or I could have a token that gives me ownership over the profits that a game, you know, gives back to me. There, there's so many different ways of transmitting value. And it'll be interesting to see what Peter Thiel does at Block One to sort of help jumpstart mainstream adoption before the regulators can come in and sort of put their, their boot on it and, you know, put out the fire.
0: Hell, let's play one more video clip. YouTube's going to take this video <laughs> down for the stealing of content. Let's But do it. Let, let's play the Brendan Bloomer from, from what was it on, Bloomberg? Yeah. We'll, we'll play that clip for you here where he, he says it's going to start making sense soon. Awesome. Bam.
2: Yeah. And in terms of investors, I mean, Bloomberg has reported that you're winning funding from Peter Thiel, Jihan Wu. Can you confirm that? Yes, we can confirm that. Right. Um, we did a strategic round a little bit, um, uh, a couple months ago. And, uh, you know, these, this technology is really a, um, a platform that allows us to start to disrupt some of the large centralized uh, technology platforms today. Um, and these are leaders in that space. And our next plans will make it uh, in terms of what we build on the application ourselves. It'll become a little more apparent why we chose the investors that we have. Okay.
0: All right, so that's the last clip I'm going to play today. <laughs> but it kind of you could see how this all ties together with oh, the yeah. strategic partnership with Peter Thiel. Peter Thiel talking about the issues he faced with regulation and mainstream adoption with, with peer-to-peer payments over uh, the, in the internet. Yeah, and now we're trying to build the next generation of the internet. And Peter Thiel is hand in hand and yeah. help block one do this. And Brendan says, this is all gonna make sense soon. Absolutely. Just sit back and wait. And that's, that's what I'm doing, I'm, I'm just enjoying it. I got my popcorn out, I'm, I'm watching this whole, <laughs> sis, I'm watching this whole story and narrative play out. Oh, it, absolutely. It's, it's game changing and the fact that like, we know we're in this time period of revolution yeah you can see it you could taste it you could feel it oh it's, so it's exciting. just exciting times
1: absolutely i think it's going to be cool like a year from now two years from now three years from now to look back on some of these podcasts that we're recording and mm-hmm. go oh my god that's when peter called invested <laughs> and we didn't even realize he was doing this and like yeah. oh wow that was before eos hit 10 million users like it's going to be so fun to be able to look back on all this and really see like you're saying the future being built right in front of our eyes mm-hmm. it's so crazy
0: I mean, we went a little long today, Rob. I think we got to kind of run through the last couple topics yeah, here. Let's so, do it. there, there's uh, a company called, Par- or project, I should say, called Parcel. They're going to be doing their airdrop. It's actually a reward drop. I'll, I'll share the link in the description so you can get some more information about it. But the gist is uh, October 24th, they're taking their snapshot. You'll yep. need to have a minimum of 100 EOS tokens in your wallet to receive the airdrop. And everyone's getting an equal distribution of 1,000 parcel tokens. Yep. Um, parcel, you, you want to explain what it is a little bit? I'm not 100% familiar. I know it's supply chain.
1: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure either. <laughs> the, the guys just reached out to me before the podcast and said, hey, you mind you know talking about this uh, on your podcast, um, but it has something to do with supply chain and, and has what they call a dual token economy. Um, so one's a stable coin for transactions, and the other is the seed token used to sort of get access to the platform. But I thought it was interesting and, and worth bringing up because of their airdrop model. It's not my favorite airdrop model, but I do think it's interesting and could result in, in other ones in the future where they're doing multiple rounds yeah, of an so airdrop. Yeah, so
0: that first... Th- I read about it right before we started recording, but they're doing the initial airdrop as an equal distribution. Everyone gets a thousand to start off. Exactly. But then over the next 11 months, if you still hold those original airdrop tokens, I think they're distributing based on how many you still have.
1: Yeah. So then if you have a thousand seed in your account, you then get, I think another thousand in the next month, and then you'll get 2000 and 3000. And I think it even, it's sort of to encourage you to go out and buy more on exchanges because then they'll match those. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting model that's, Sort of similar to the EOS ICO that happened, sort of not, but mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what happens to their token over that course of the 12 months and see how that you know aspect of their token economics affects you know their amount of users, the token price, so many different things. So I think it's a cool experiment and something to definitely keep an eye out for. I'll probably be holding my seed throughout the 12 months mm-hmm. just to, to see what happens. I think it's interesting, um, but something to keep in mind. And
0: that's Parcel, P-A-R-S-L, I'll yep. put the link in the uh, description below. But it's an interesting project uh, with supply chain, and I think the cannabis industry. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm mostly was interested in their airdrop model, like, like we were just talking about. But yeah. the project seems interesting too. You can go read more about that. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up was we talked about all these contests last week so and this many. week. So there's the pumpkin contest. Eos Blocksmiths doing a weekly meme contest. Nice. So I, I participated in that one last week. But there, there's another big contest they emailed me to ask to, to mention it, EOSIS. They're giving they w they're they're doing a DAP contest, and they're they're judging the these DAPs they're submitted. And the contest runs until November 30th. The link will be down in the description because the link will describe it much better than I can. But the decisions on the, the DAP contest winners is convenience and accessibility, practicality, content, and creativity and the top prize is gonna be for 2,000 EOs, second prize 1,500 EOs, and third prize is for 1,000 EOs. So if you're already developing a dApp or you're thinking about developing a dApp, Make sure you check out this contest because there might be an opportunity to get some seed capital
1: by winning the contest. Absolutely, 2,000 EOS is no joke. I mean, that's uh, what ten, eleven, twelve thousand dollars at least. Yeah. If you're building a simple DApp just to, to enter in this contest, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm.
0: So let's wrap up. Let's remind everyone. Want to talk about the pumpkins one last time? Yeah, uh, one last time. If you're out <laughs> we need there, need more pumpkins. You're,
1: you're carving pumpkins for Halloween. We have a, a few cool entries right now. Who are, if nobody else enters, going to win that spot? First place, 200 EOS, almost a thousand dollars for carving an EOS-themed pumpkin. Uh, I did one that's you know just the EOS logo. We've had people do these crazy decentralized everything ones. Some cool you know carving instead of actually cutting all the way through. But get out there, get creative. Take Dan's face. Take Dan versus Vitalik. Uh, Dan's cat. Uh, whatever you can come up with, get an EOS-themed pumpkin carving contest out there, tweet it to at CypherglassBP with the hashtag Hallow and uh, you could win up to 200 EOS as that first-place prize. All right, and I'll make one last
0: reminder. Next month is the San Francisco Hackathon. If you have any interest at all in developing on, on EOS, even if you haven't done it before, yep. that's what all the mentors are for. There's going to be technology mentors, there's going to be entrepreneurial mentors like Rob and, and SVK Crypto, like if you're interested at all in entering this space, this this is the place to go. This is where all the ideas are born and the top prize there is pretty significant also. Yeah. What's that, $100,000? I think
1: it's $100,000. And then if you win, you know, one of the top three prizes, 125000 hundred twenty-five, and I think 12500 you also get entered in the grand finale where you can win a million dollar top prize. So that's pretty crazy. And
0: for everyone who's already in San Francisco, whether you live there or you're there for the hackathon, please come to the Scaling Blockchain Conference uh, the following day. Yeah. There's going to be lots of block producers there, a lot of other uh, notable authors and YouTube people and uh, fund managers yeah. and who, who all is going to be there multi coin multi uh, going to be Aurora, there site you're representing for eos i'll be there doing a, an happy interesting happy money man investing yeah. with a difference
1: a lot of people it's it's really i think the community conference for eos it seems like so many people who are community driven um, whether it's you know Miles Snyder or even EOS Africa, who's out there building this community in Africa, all these people are, are all about the EOS community, and I think it's going to be great to not only talk to the EOS community there, but of course meet all you in person. So I, I think it's I'm cool. Excited.
0: This is I'm not sure about the first hackathon. Was it, that was in Hong Kong? Hong Kong? Yeah, I don't know if they did they do an uncon like they keep calling this the unconference. Like every, every it seems like every hackathon. I
1: think they might have
0: has some, whether it's a conference or an unconference or just a, a gathering of yeah. community members, it seems like before or after every single hackathon, someone takes the ball and Ramon from investing with a difference, took the ball on this one and uh, happy money, man. Uh, they're kind of organizing this and it, it's a, it's a great, thing for the community because everyone is already in the same city at the same time yeah so why not stay one extra day and come together when you're one. not busy hacking and exactly. trying to get something out in I think it's three, awesome
1: hours. Adriana our community manager was at the one in London um, and she said people were really talking about you know crucial issues people were talking about you know future CPU issues the RAM issues that were happening at the time that have since been fixed so it's a place for not only people to meet each other and sort of talk about EOS but also to solve real problems and and create real dApps and real solutions so it'll be cool to see what comes out of this next hackathon and, mm-hmm. and beyond. Alright, so that pretty much wraps us up for today. Anything else you want to add? Uh, I think
0: that's it. Alright, I'm Zach Go. I'm Rob Finch. And this is Everything use.